When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Sometimes the kids at camp, I give them a question, you know, a quiz, and I say, what guy won the slam dunk contest and won the free throw percentage, the best free throw percentage in the NBA one year? And, and I can name Reggie Miller, Larry Bird, Mark Price, all these 95% free throw shoots. And I was the one that won the free throw champion one year in Sacramento. So pumped for today's show, one of my all-time favorite guys that I've met in the business. He will be my guest coming up in just a couple of moments, we'll have our crowd ultra Q&A and then my rant. Today's podcast is brought to you by New Works Plumbing, locally owned in Sacramento for 20 years. Whether it's leak detection, water line repair, bathroom plumbing, New Works Plumbing is a full service plumbing solution. It really doesn't matter whether it's a small job, it's a large job, because New Works Plumbing will take care of your plumbing problem. They've got a fix for you. And they're expert technicians. They're available 24-7 for all of your plumbing needs. Just go to newworksplumbing.com. That's N-E-W-W-R-X plumbing.com. My guest on today's podcast played 12 years in the NBA, most of those with the Atlanta Hawks. He spent a couple of years in the early 90s with the Sacramento Kings. And I'm very often asked, uh, who's my favorite player of all time? And I'm like, well, that's not possible to answer after doing the NBA for 32 years. But this guy is definitely in my top five. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Spud Webb. How the hell are you, Spud? <laughs> I'm doing good, Grant. I just here in Dallas working with the Maverick G League team and, and hitting the golf course every chance I get. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. I think you're hitting the golf course more than every chance you can get. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, the boss, Mark, I don't know if Mark Cuban listened to your show, but I don't <laughs> want him to know that. <laughs> hey, I, I was watching some video of you over, I think, the last week. I got to tell you, man, I, you know, that turn on your backswing, you're not going back very far these days, bud. No, no, I don't take it back for because I want to hit the fairway. I hit, I, you, know, you, know, Grant, you know what they call me on the golf course? What's that? Broadway. 
You know, if you every every town you go in, Broadway is always in the middle of downtown. <laughs> hey, hey, man, just hit the short grass, baby. I agree with you. Just yeah, hit the short yeah. grass. Hey, listen, I remember talking to you. At Lake Tahoe, you were playing in the Celebrity Golf Tournament a long time ago. Uh-huh. And uh, you sat down, we started talking on the air, and I go, well, you've been playing a lot of golf? Best line I've ever heard in my life. Yep. <laughs> From can't see to can't see. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, um, how is that with the Texas Legends? Obviously, the pandemic has kind of screwed everything up with the G League, but how have you enjoyed that? Oh, man, I love it, man. Grant, this is my 10th year, 11th year being the president of basketball operations there. And, you know, every year, Donnie Nelson, which is the same president with Mavericks and general manager, you want to come down to the Mavericks? Like, no, man, I like up here where I keep interns getting jobs, I keep former players getting jobs, and I keep young guys' careers alive playing in G League and going overseas. So I kind of like that, being being working with them, then – going down and working with the the Mavericks of, you know, probably scouting, maybe some coaching and stuff like that. But, man, I, and then I get to work with a lot of the sponsors with the G League. So I, it's a lot of different hats, really. But working with uh, Malcolm Farmer up there, which is the brains of our outfit. <laughs> right. uh, I, I love it. You and I have known each other for 30 years, and we've talked a lot <laughs> about a lot of things. We've done a lot of things. But you know what? I never really asked you about your childhood. What was that like mm-hmm. growing up? Well, I know I, I listened to a lot of documentaries and a lot of, you know, stuff that people do on people. And everybody got their story. And, and they never asked me because I, I, I don't know why. Because they probably, at first of all, why I got my side was playing the NBA. But, man, I have basically the same story I hear those guys. And I had three sisters, two brothers. We live in the project and two bedroom. And I'm still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. where we slept and trying to apologize to my mom all the time about asking for shoes that we know we didn't have a dime and they didn't have a dime in their pocket. So I kind of grew up in the, you know, projects where in Dallas, in West Dallas projects where I started at, we moved to South Dallas. That's like at a job. That's a lateral move. <laughs> yeah, right. Wow, man. But uh, yeah, man, we had our, you know, devices and stuff like that where we have guys older than me wouldn't let us guys get indulged in drugs and, and bad stuff because they thought we had a future man and and then the boys and girls club opened up and it really probably saved my life really you think it saved your life spud oh no question uh, a lot of the guys that didn't go to the boys club and end up getting in trouble not going to school they all you know statistics now and you know not around and they were way better than football and basketball players, baseball player than we were. You know, one of the great days I've ever had covering professional sports was the day I spent with you in Dallas, Texas, when you were with the Kings and you had just bought your beautiful 7,500 square foot home on the golf course. And I had arrived mm-hmm. way before the team and you were going to have the entire team come out for a party. And you took me to your house and I could see how proud you were and what that meant to you. But then we got in the car and we went to your sister's salon, I believe. And then we were driving through a neighborhood and you asked me about a house. And I'm like, man, that's beautiful. And we talked about just the difference between the cost of housing in Dallas compared to Sacramento. And you go, come on, I want to show you this house. And I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, I want to come in and show you. And it was your mom's house. 
And I say this because I know how much mom means, but I know how much and what your mom did for you and your siblings. And for you to be able to buy your mom that house had to be maybe the proudest moment of your life or one of the proudest moments of your life. Oh, no question, man. Uh, That was the easiest thing to do in my life was to buy her a house because she did so much for us and, you know, six kids and everybody else's kids, my cousins, let alone with being a wife, man, that, that, you don't know how hard that is until until you get older and really, really good, man, we got to really appreciate that because I don't know too many people can do that. So yeah, my mom never worked after that, after I went professional and bought the house and she's still in it, proud of it. And I mean, every time I go by there, that's some of the stuff that you think about the the day we opened the doors and brought her over there. Well, <laughs> my dad wouldn't go, but <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I don't know nobody in DeSoto. <laughs> you know what I loved about you? And I always tell people this, you, to me, you were hard to get to know, but once you got within your wall, then you were like the most loyal, just great person. And you know, I say this in all due respect, you were moody, you know that. And yep, but but I'm but still moody. My, yeah. <laughs> my, my uh, daughter tell me. <laughs> but I always res- I'm waiting on, Yeah, go ahead. When I'm I'm moody because I'm waiting on that that, that person to show me that side that they they're not trying to have an angle, right? As we call right, or uh, trying to get something from you or something like that. Then once I find that you a real person, then I probably open up. I got I think they say I got it from my mom. I love that, but you know what? Not only real person. But to you, it didn't matter what the color of your skin was. It didn't matter what your religion was. It, none of that mattered. It was either you were real or you weren't real. You were either a good person or you weren't a good person. And I always respected right. you so much because that's how you judge people. Yeah, that's true, man. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I think I got it from my dad because he had so many friends working at so many jobs. So you see so many people. And you seen how they got along. So like, man, I just thought that's where it was, you know. Mm-hmm. And like when I play golf, I got the older, the younger, I got white, black, Mexican, Asian, whatever. Sure. It doesn't matter. We either going to play golf. If we don't play golf, we're going to go smoke a cigar together, get something <laughs> to eat. That's just, that's just the way it is, man. When I come to the games with the G League, I'm always trying to bring a different charity and group to the game. That's why we call ourselves the Legends. Mm-hmm. Because every night we try to have a different people come to the game and be the legend of the night. That's phenomenal. I I love that perspective that you have. Going through school and playing basketball, if you had a dollar for every time somebody said you can't, you won't, no way, and you kept your dream alive, what kept – what kept your basketball dream alive? What made you persevere when so many people were telling you, nah, you're too short, you're too short, you're too short? Man, I think it was like, I, I, I must have been like one of those persons, like defensive back that get beat for a touchdown. You have to block them out. Right, <laughs> right. It takes time to be successful. So I just figured, man, once the game, once they get through talking about the stats of heights and weights and where they've been and where they come from, you still had to play. And I figured once they, they get past that part and just start playing, I know I could go out and compete. And most people, you know, back then, you, they took you off of where you compete. Now they take you off of, you have a process. Right. <laughs> you have you have time. But when 
when we were playing, we didn't have time. We had to produce then. Junior college to North Carolina State playing for Jim Valvano. What was that like? I mean, Jim was fun to play for, man. God bless his soul. He treated you like a man. He didn't, like, get you a system and go, oh, play like this. You know, he saw the way guys played and tried to put in a system that make them be successful. Hey, the funny thing is some guys would have a test and studies and couldn't come to practice. And, man, Jim Valvano used to get out there and shoot with us. You know, he played it on him. He hit a shot, knowing strut off, man. It was so unbelievable. But people look at his big personality, and then they don't look at the way he coached. You have to be a great coach to win a championship. And I enjoyed, man, playing with him. He always would sit down and talk to you. He just treated you like he was just, you know, dad away from home. From college basketball into the NBA, I had Charles Barkley on my podcast back in October. And I asked him, who was the one person that had the biggest influence on his career? And he said, Moses Malone. You knew Mo very well. He was a teammate of yours. I say Moses Malone, and you say what? Man, the funniest guy ever. I mean, when I played in Atlanta, we were still riding commercial. And so we all ride first class, and Moses always sit beside Moses. I think they just did it so he can have more room. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But. Moses would tell stories back by a guy got cut in the layup line to all type of stuff. But, you know, you couldn't understand. Moses was real smart. You just couldn't understand that Southern Virginia way he talked. So you sometimes you had to put it together for him. But, man, the guy was a brilliant. And the loyal, you're talking about caring about a teammate. That guy was always the guy you always wanted on your team and the hardest hardest working guy I've ever been around, hmm. man. We'd be coming in 9, 30, 4, 10 o'clock practice, and Moses would be sitting there just sweating, man. Run, he had been running and jogging and, and swimming and sitting in the steam room. Yeah. <laughs> we get ready to go. We all talking about where we're going to go eat. The dude is in there doing setups in the in the steam room. Wow. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Hey, And he just hated people that didn't work hard. Uh, I'll never forget being in the King's locker room, Rodney McRae, who always mumbles, and you couldn't understand Rodney on the best of days. Mo walked in, the uh, the Hawks were in town, and Mo walks into the locker room, and really, Rodney's in there, you're in there, and maybe one other person, and I'm in there. It's like, you know, two hours before the game, an hour and 45 minutes. And Mo walks into the locker room, and he's probably, you know, you know Rodney's uh, locker, if you remember, was right near the back door. Moses was on the other uh-huh. side, and they start talking. And I swear on my life, I could not understand one damn word that Rodney and Mo said. And when Mo and I'm laughing, and I saw you, you were laughing. And Moses walks oh, yeah. out, and I walk up to you, and I go, "Hey, Spud, now what the hell were they saying? I couldn't understand a damn word." Oh no, you don't want. I understand what they were saying, but you just don't want to say what you say, so they had to say it all over again, right? Because <laughs> I learned my lesson. We were in Atlanta and we had lost. We, the year I think we won like 60 games or something, but we lost two in a row. And they had a team meeting. And Moses spoke for about 15 minutes. I mean, <laughs> nobody know. He said, he was at, well, I played a Philly Docker J. You know what I'm saying? Right. Word he said, right? You need to play defense. And he, he tried to say, selfish. You don't need your, your syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Unbelievable. You know, he tried to say selfish. 
And then when they left out, Mike Fratello was like, Bud, come here. I was like, oh, man, I done got traded. They like, the coaches, all of them sitting there like, can you just tell us what Moses just said? I was like, hell no. You just don't want to say what you say. So he had to say it all again. They just fell out laughing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I got to tell you, you know, you know, you go from Atlanta and you end up in Sacramento. I call Dick Mata's offense the prevent offense because, you know, you weren't allowed to shoot the ball unless there were two or three seconds on the shot clock. And for someone like you who wanted to just sprint and run and go all hell loose up and down the court, that had to be so hard for you to play in an offense like that. Oh, my God, it was. I mean, Dick wanted – he run these drills. I guess he started that whatever defense uh, – offense uh, Chicago was running and had us shooting over chairs and, you know, we wouldn't run it up and down. And, like, we had got Mitch and then we had got Walt. Those guys, me, we need to be in the open floor to score. And Dick wanted us to run the half court, man. It was It was absolutely miserable playing for him, actually. Man, I just I hated that offense, man. It was it was pretty bad, but it just it just didn't work. It just didn't work with me and Dick. I wanted to throw the ball up to Mitch and Ward and all that, and he wanted me to run plays. It, it just wasn't a fit. Wayman Tisdale also was a teammate of yours on that team, and I tell people, uh, truly one of the great human beings. He and his family, and just. Uh, you won't meet, you never would meet a better soul, a kinder person uh, than Wayman Tisdale. And you got to be really close to him, didn't you? Yeah, when we stayed in Sacramento in the pocket, he stayed the street over. So I'm single, so I would go over there and eat every day because he had all those kids and his wife was cooking. So, And then he was in, the, in his garage out to a studio, and you don't know who would walk in there. So I would stick around, see what uh, music they were making and who was singing and all that. So, But we, we came real close. Me and his wife still talk all the time. I try to go down there and help him raise money for the Wayman Tisdale Foundation in Tulsa. When you talk, think of Wayman, man, you won't you won't find a better guy than Wayman. Nope. I mean, that's the kind of guy you want your sister to marry, you know, that type of stuff. But the big smile, you know, you look at him and want to say, Wayman, get a rebound, but you look at that big old smile. <laughs> and you just can't fuck with it. <laughs> but he's a big teddy bear, man. I love Wayman. God bless his soul. Rest his soul, man. But you want—I think about him all the time. I do too, and I—I'm uh, a huge fan of smooth jazz. And you know, if I'm on Watercolors on Sirius XM or whatever, I mean, his music's always being played. And uh, I'm with yeah. you. I think about him all the time. You know, another amazing teammate that you played with, who I know you were unbelievably close to, is Dominique Wilkins. Were there times? even when you were on the court with Neek or maybe on the bench watching him, that you just saw something and you go, man, I just can't believe what I watched. Yeah, man, it, it's funny. We, we, when we played for Mike Patello, we watched a lot of film. You know, me and Doc Rivers are sitting there and, you know, watch film. And, man, we, we, we supposed to be watching Boston or Chicago or New York, and we end up watching Dominique play, man, and we on the team with him. Man, right. This dude was we like, incredible, man. I'm like, man, did you – did you just see that? He just, Dominique's a nice dude and generous guy, man. Big personality. But this guy thinks he's opening a phone booth, right? Mm. He, 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 he's supposed to take every shot. I remember one game I scored like 32 points a game and hit about four or five shots in a row. And he passed by me like, way up, you know I'm open. <laughs> 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 I'm like, Zoid. Zoid, I just scored. 
Why this kid's four shots in a row? I can't take a heat check. The Zord is the Zord is open. He called himself the Zord. He's got a freakazoid on the floor. Oh my god! Oh. He, man, we still play golf together and stuff like that now. But me and Doc Rivers used to be sitting there watching them going, "Man, did you see that? Did you see that? Hmm. This dude was amazing, man." Dallas, Texas, the slam dunk contest. You win that. What did that do for you? How did that change your life? And is it true also that leading up to that dunk contest, Dominique didn't even know that you could dunk? Is that true? He probably heard that I could dunk. But, man, uh, Grant, I was so busy trying to make the team that, you know, you didn't have time. to. to, to that's what they process a three-year deal of, of you can do this and do that. Man, you have to play every day. So after practice, we used to get with the coaches trying to learn the play, to learn how to get over picks, rotations, and stuff like that. So wasn't a lot of sitting around dunking. Wasn't no YouTube. I needed to Google anything. Sure, right. So going up to the dunk contest, he did because we were playing so many games back then. You were playing four games and five nights just every every week. Just didn't have no time to sit around and think about dunking. You know, you might get a dunk in the game or something. And plus, the leading up to that, we played, and then I had to fly to L.A. to be on the Johnny Carson show. Wow. You know, you're really showing, you're showing your age when you talk about the Johnny Carson show. <laughs> right. And you, know you, and you know you have really did something and made it to on Johnny Carson. You're show. damn right. That's unbelievable. I didn't even That's know that. Show, yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, the, night before, the night before the dunk contest, I had to fly to L.A., be on the Johnny Carson show, fly back. Wow. This ghetto, black ghetto kid from... South Dallas riding in a helicopter. I had never rode in a helicopter in my life <laughs> to get me to the airport so I can catch the red eye back to Dallas so I can make the dunk contest the next day. Wow. So I didn't get a chance to even practice. <laughs> That's amazing. That's incredible. So you lucky, went. Lucky I was 22 years old. I didn't, you know, you oh. had to warm up. In it. So how did that change your life? Well, when we got on the bus the next day, you know, Doc Rivers and Mike Patello and them, they were. When Dominique get on the floor, they were giving Dominique a hard time. <laughs> and then the first play, the next game, they were like, uh, Spud, the dunk champ, let's run plays with Spud. Dominique was bad. They were messing with him. <laughs> they were lucky we were best friends. Oh, my they gosh. Were, they were messing with him. Let's Spud bad come up first. He the dunk champ. Oh, they, <laughs> they were giving him a hard time. Lucky me and Dominique were like best friends. And, but Doc Rivers told me, man, he said, boy, you know you're going to never live that down. He's not lying, man. It's like, Every building, every place you walk in, and plus I'm from Dallas and yep. Silver now, they all say they was there. Like Reunion Arena didn't hold with 20,000. I bet 100,000 people told me they were there. And I, I just never lived it down. I mean, that's why I kind of got out of it in my career because I want to be known as a basketball player. Now, when I go speak or go to camps or corporations speaking in Q&As or whatever, they always going to do the 1986 slam dunk champ. Then I had to get up there and tell them, yeah, I played 12 years. I played you know what? Sacramento. <laughs> I am so glad. I am so happy. I really am. I'm so happy you said that because when I did my radio show for the first year in Sacramento, my partner was Jack Youngblood, who's now in the Hall of Fame. And Jack was a great, great defensive player for the L.A. Rams. And Jack played in the Super Bowl 
with a broken leg. And whenever anybody thinks of Jack Youngblood, they go, oh, yeah, that's the guy that played in the Super Bowl with a broken leg. But yet he was a multi-defensive player of the year, multiple Pro Bowls, again, Hall of Fame. And yet it's almost like people don't even want to talk about what he did on the football field in his career. And so I ask you, as great as that was for you, and I'm so happy you said that, it's almost like, oh, yeah, Spud Webb. Oh, yeah, that's the guy that won the slam dunk contest. But you know what? You had a hell of a career in 12 years, and it's almost like people don't want to talk about that. Yeah, they started doing it so much about, I think about, I don't know, four years ago, because I really started back to going out and doing appearances and stuff. I had to go and look my stats up to look at, man, I looked at different people's stats. To play 800 NBA games, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, man, I, I I just never paid no attention to it because everywhere you go, people introduce you as the slam dunk champ. And they never, and like sometimes the kids at camps, I give them a question, you know, a quiz, and I say, what guy won the slam dunk contest and won the free throw percentage, the best free throw percentage in the NBA one year in and I can name Reggie Miller, Larry Bird, Mark Price, all these 95% free throw shoots. And I was the one that won the mm. free throw champion one year in Sacramento. Well, I'll tell you something else, man. You could never never get spud off the court. If you could walk, you were going to play. And now, you oh, know, yeah. it, it, it's so different now. I mean, can you imagine someone coming up to you and going, hey, spud, we're resting you tonight. We're not going to play you. It's- it just be a knockdown, drag out fight. Just, <laughs> I, was, I was I was talking to a couple of reporters. I think we was at some function or something. And, they, you know, I asked about the load management and all that. Man, you're talking to the wrong guy. I'm very old school, man. And I went back and looked. I went back and looked at my damn stats. I was playing 80, 81, 82, 79. Sure. 78, 81, 82 games a year. The one year I had knee surgery I think I played 40 and then when I messed up my wrist in Sacramento I played half the year with a cast on and I'm like man he was what's low man I I would feel so bad if I got I mean one time I missed one game my rookie year and it hunts me I I didn't go out and just try Well, not only did you play every game, you practiced every day. And I know that because, you know, I had the misfortune of Dick Mata throwing me his whistle and go, you need to, you need to officiate this scrimmage. I go, no, 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 no. He goes, yeah, I need you to, he, I, I need you to officiate the scrimmage and I didn't call a foul on you. And I swear to God, you didn't talk to me for three weeks. You would have thought that I cost you a million dollars. I'm like, come on, yeah, Spud, but it's just practice. But you can't let the second unit think they got some on you. <laughs> oh, my God. I learned that from... From Dominique now, man, they would hate to lose to the second unit. Oh, my God. I swear, <laughs> I am not exaggerating. I did not call a foul on you, and I, you would have thought that I had, like, burned your house down and, like, taken your car and, like, I mean, oh, you, you you were, you were one of, seriously, I, you were so competitive. We're, you know, you, you were as competitive as almost any guy that I've ever seen play. Where did that come from? Were you always like that as a kid? I think it came from when we went to the gym. In my neighborhood, if you lost, you couldn't get back up because mm. there were so many guys that, you know, signed up to play. So you didn't want to lose, man. I think that this way it is, it just rubbed off of me, and I don't want to lose. Man, I have to sit down. If we lose, they might want to change the lineup. If we lose, they might, you know, the coaches might think the second unit better, better than us. I mean, I, it is just always that button mm. that 
you push that you don't want you don't want to be you don't want to lose, man. You know how bad I hate losing in Sacramento. I know you were in a bad every night. You were in a bad mood every I day. I played every I played every night, man. That's why I can sleep at night, man, because I know how hard I played. <clears throat> Not only that, and I say this in all due respect, you were on a very, very, very good team at Atlanta, but a lot of times the gym would be half empty in Sacramento. You guys were terrible, and the place was packed, and the crowd. I mean, that's the one thing about Sacramento, Spud. That had to just blow you away how amazing the fans were. Yeah, I should tell. I tell guys that all the time. I like, man. Let me tell you something. Them fans in Sacramento, we well, they be at the game when we driving in. I'm like, that's <laughs> an hour and a half for the game. <laughs> that that they would come to the games and cheer every night. Fool, man. That was I. I'd never forget that. You also statistically had the best year of your career in Sacramento. I I don't know if you right. realize that or not, but like you actually had say all you want about Atlanta, you were you were really good in Sacramento. By that, I mean, statistically, that was the best part of your career. Yeah, I had my best statistical years in, in, in Atlanta, man. I I think I was had some stretches where I was scoring 17, 18 points a game. But one year, I think I averaged 16 and like eight assists, seven, eight mm-hmm. assists. But that's, yeah. I, I had to go back and look at my stats, man, because – People introduced me at the dunk camp so much, I had to go back and go, wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> you're amazing. When you look back at your career, do you have any regrets? I, I think the only thing that I probably should have shot more, but I was so old school from watching Maurice Cheeks and all the old school point guards that I – my, I just always thought, man, I, I got to get somebody a shot, a dunk, an open shot. I got to make a steal. I always thought like that, man. I never thought like, man, I'm going this game. I, I have the opportunity. Even if I hit four or five shots in the way I'm making score 30 or 40 points, I never had that mentality in the NBA that always was other guys first. Then when I couldn't find nobody, then I looked for my shot. You know, as I said, I've known you for 30 years, and the Cowboys haven't won for, I think, 26 years. So, I mean, are, you think you're ever going to see the Cowboys you, you win plan, again? You 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 playing with our friendship. Uh, <laughs> you playing with our friendship. Look at We got five Super Bowl routes and not one in the last 25 years, and I hear it every day from my buddies at the Cigar Bar. <laughs> I love it. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. They hate, they hate the Cowboys because they hear about them so much. Oh. And boy, they they know every stat, you know, at the Cowboys who they draft, and they just be waiting on me to come in the cigar bar so <laughs> so they can tell me how bad my Cowboys are, <laughs> and I can't even fight back yet because we are losing. <laughs> oh my gosh! But I got my hey hey, but look here, guess what, Grant? We're going to Super Bowl next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I just saw I just saw the schedule come out. The Cowboys open up the NFL season in Tampa on that uh, special Thursday night football week one of the NFL. So there you go, Cowboys at Bucks to open up the NFL season this year. No, I don't think the NFL like us. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh hey, hey, have you golf with Tim? Golf with Tim at all lately? Yeah, I golf with Tim Monday. Hey man, please. Tim Brown, Tim Brown, yeah, right? Tim Brown, yeah. Make sure yeah, yeah. I yeah, love yeah. Tim. What a great, honestly, one of the great guys. I love Tim. I just absolutely love that guy, man. He's as good as they come. 
good as they come, man, most guys, you know, act like that when the camera on or when the camera comes to their house. This dude like that every day and every moment of his life, man. The dude sit up front at church, first one there, and man, he he is man, he's as solid as he gets. And he's always been that way and he's still like that today. So are you, man. You're as solid as they come. You're one of my favorites, man. I love you, buddy. You know that. You know how much you mean to me. Love you too, my brother. I I just um I love catching up with you and <laughs> <laughs> I really do. You just want to talk about my Cowboys. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? There's really not a lot to talk about with your Cowboys, so we we won't. I don't have to worry about that, okay? I know. Let me, let me tell you a funny story yeah. before you go. I run into Ron. Kerry Keyes used to be the mayor of Dallas, right? Yeah. Maverick game. And he likes, Bud, come on, play golf. You know, he just, we, we go play golf. We get done, he give me this cigar. He gave me this cigar, but I guess he got from Cuba or whatever, mm-hmm. from Obama or whatever. I said, shit, Ron, I'm going to smoke this when the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. He said, you can get that boat back. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well get that back. <laughs> oh, my God. What an absolute classic. I'm killing my Cowboys. Oh, I love it. Well, man, listen, uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Uh, you are A-plus in my book. You're top shelf, man. And uh, I-, I hope I can see you soon when I get to Big D. And I would love to get on the course with you absolutely anytime man appreciate you brother i appreciate you too man do i love that guy i could talk to him and just one of the real greats uh such a pleasure so great to catch up with uh spud webb hey before we get to our crowd ultra q a want to tell you about adload technologies a brand new innovative way to advertise your company they utilize LED digital displays. Now, they are embedded in the back of semi-trailers. And what that means is your message will always flow with traffic and capture attention of consumers in high-traffic areas. Now, additionally, AdLoad can provide comprehensive and intelligent reporting, which gives you accurate impression counts and exposure to analyze your marketing strategy for the long term. Just go to AdLoadTechnologies.com. That's A-D-L-O-A-D. AdLoadTechnologies.com. It is time now for our Crowd Ultra questions. Just go to CrowdUltra.com, sign up, and maybe I'll answer your question right here on my podcast. Tony wants to know, what's more difficult in the NBA, being a great offensive player or defender? Difficult for me to say, Tony. Obviously, I've never played uh, in the uh, NBA I think they're equally as challenging, but you used the term great, and it seems to me that we have a lot of great offensive players in the NBA and not as many great defensive players. So for that reason, I'll say it's more difficult to play defense on a great level. All right, Tyler wants to know, is any of the backlash Tebow was facing due to his race. Unfortunately, yes, it is, because all of the Colin Kaepernick supporters say, hey, wait a minute, this guy hasn't played in years and years and years. He's 36 and is now going to try out for a position he's never played before. So, yeah, race comes up all the time. And I think that part of the backlash does have to do with race. Stacy says, hey, Grant, who do you think is the greatest female athlete? Boy, that's a fabulous question. Because there are so many 
I mean, obviously, Serena Williams jumps right to my head. That's the first female athlete that I talk about. But when you think about some of our great female Olympians, that's a great question. I I will say, though, just the dominance and for the duration, longevity of a career, I would say Serena Williams. Brian wants to know, what is the likelihood of the A's being relocated? I did my rant on this. Generally speaking, when you threaten to leave a city, then the city will figure out a way to keep a team. Not always, but generally. I can't imagine the city of Oakland losing three professional sports teams in such a short period of time. So I am going to say, Brian, somehow, some way, they figure out a way to get that stadium built on the waterfront. Russell wants to know, who's your all-NBA first team and most improved player this year? Russell, I don't dodge any question, and I'm not dodging this. I haven't watched a lot of basketball, so I can't answer that question. I really don't know. I really don't know. Martin wants to know, did you ever expect sports gambling to become as mainstream as it has? Never. I never thought we would see it to this degree uh, in sports. So I am surprised, Martin. It's a very good question. Alex wants to know, what cities would make sense for the A's to go to if they move? Well, if they move, it would make sense to go to the city that has the best economic package for them. I think that would would help. I think going to a market where there's not a lot of other professional teams would help the A's. But if they do leave Oakland, they'll go to a very attractive situation. I definitely believe that. Tristan says, was it a good idea for the NCAA to give players an extra year of eligibility because of COVID? Yes, I actually was in favor of that, uh, and I think it was very good. Charlie wants to know, what's your opinion on the outrage about Tebow's signing? I think it's ridiculous. He has to make the team. All right, all he's been done or all he's been given is an opportunity to make the team. So I don't see what the big deal is. I really don't. Dylan wants to know, can the Utah Jazz win a title lacking a wing defender? Probably not. I would like to see him, but probably not. Bags sent me an email via CrowdUltra, and he said, this is not a question. Just found your podcast today, and I love it. I am a big Arkansas Razorbacks basketball fan and heard the Eric Musselman podcast and had to go listen to more. I will be catching up with all of your podcasts the next couple of weeks. So sorry for what happened to you, and I pray you never change. Great, great job. Thank you. Well, Bags, thank you very much for finding us. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you much, uh, very much for being a fan, and I hope to hear from you again. Nick wants to know, what were your favorite restaurants to eat at when you were on the road? Loved El Gaucho in Seattle and Portland. Loved it. Loved Del Frisco's on 49th and 6th in New York City. Loved Carmine's on 44th and Broadway in New York City. Uh, Multiple great restaurants in Chicago. Too numerous to name. Those are some that jumped right out at me. Been to the Capitol Grill in a lot of cities. You can never go wrong there. 
But I would say El Gaucho, probably my favorite up in the uh, Pacific Northwest. Rob wants to know, is the, does the MLB suggesting the A's should move show smaller market cities can lose their teams at any time? No. I think we already knew that, Rob. I think any team can leave a city at any time. I mean, the Sonics left Seattle. That's not a small market. You know, the Browns left Cleveland. You know, the Colts left Baltimore. I mean, I can go on and on. You know, the Expos left Montreal. A lot of hockey teams have moved. So I don't really necessarily draw a parallel uh, to that. Steven wants to know, which sport do you think has the laziest athletes? Well, it's not football because you'll get killed. It's not hockey because they won't allow you to get on the ice. So I will say baseball. I'm so tired of seeing guys jog to first and stretch doubles into singles, as the great Phil Mushnick of the New York Post says, because they're not running hard out of the box. So I'm going to say baseball. Vince wants to know, do you appreciate seeing Brandon Spike's comments regarding Tim Tebow. I actually do. Former player, who happens to be black, by the way, uh, saying, you know, knock it off with the race card, said that this is a relationship-based business and that you have a coach who knows all about Tebow, knows about his work ethic, knows about his personality, and wants to have him on the team during camp and see if he can make the team. I don't have any problem with that. Again, he didn't, he's not on the Jacksonville Jaguars. He has to make the team, okay? He has to make the team. It's not like he's taking anyone's job. He's not taking anybody's job. He will take a job if he makes the final roster, but there's a long way to go before that. Ernie asked, do you, do you expect LaMelo Ball to be as good as he was this season? I did not. I did not. I actually very surprised at how good LaMelo Ball is. So, no, I, I am very surprised. Uh, Tyler wants to know, are you surprised by Kenny Maine being let go? Well, he didn't. He, he wasn't let go. He resigned. But he resigned because ESPN, according to Kenny, was going to give him a 61% pay cut. Here's the bottom line. Networks are overpaying for the rights fees. ESPN overpaid for NFL and the NHL, and so they don't have money left over to pay their talent. We've seen it at CBS. We've seen it at NBC. We've seen it at ABC. When these companies, these broadcast networks, pay an enormous amount to televise live sporting events, the people that work for them suffer the most. Budget cuts, terminations, salary reductions, it's awful. It's a terrible trend. It's an absolutely awful trend in the world of network sports television. Terrible. Keith says, will the Raptors be rebuilding in the next season or two? I don't think there's any question about it. I think they're rebuilding right now. So, yes, I think they definitely will be. And it's been a tough year for them, too. I mean, let's face it. You know, not being in Toronto, having to play in Tampa the whole year, very difficult. Uh, Logan wants to know, have you ever interacted with Tim Duncan? I have not. I've never even had a conversation with Tim. Dave asked, was designating pool holes for assignment the right move for the organization? Dave, without being inside the walls of that organization, it's very difficult for me to say, but based on his production, uh, I can't argue. Hey, really good job. Really good job with the questions today 
on Crowd Ultra. Again, just go to crowdultra.com. It's time for Rant. 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 Hey, today's rant brought to you by New Works Plumbing. They have been in Sacramento for over 20 years for your plumbing needs and repairs. Just go to newworksplumbing.com, N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. Well, it's the final weekend of the NBA season, and guess what? For the first time in recent memory, or for as long as I can remember, there were meaningful games this weekend in the NBA. Why is that? Because of the play-in tournament. Because teams are doing everything in their power. It does not be 7, 8, 9, or 10. Teams are jockeying for position. And finally, in the final weekend of the season, we have meaningful games. Now, don't tell that to Luka Doncic or Mark Cuban, who complained about it last month going into last night's action. The Mavs were in sixth place, but barely. You've got the Lakers, who going into last night's action, look like they might be playing an extra game. LeBron James said that the people that thought of that shit should be fired. Well, that would be all of the people that own NBA teams and the commissioner. So guess what? The NBA, I think, hit this right on the head. They were absolutely correct in the play-in tournament because games that would normally be absolutely meaningless now have meaning, which garners more interest, which means that instead of teams just resting players all weekend, we finally have games that count. So for that, I applaud the NBA. Good job right there. And if you're keeping score at home, and just for the record, I am, the Atlanta Hawks going into the final weekend of the regular season. That's right, the Atlanta Insanes are 25-11 and 11 under Nate McMillan. Currently fourth in the East going into last night's action. And again, the insane firing of Lloyd Pierce has completely changed around the Atlanta Hawks. Nate McMillan has done a marvelous job against 25 up, 11 down, and it's still crickets in Dallas from the head of the NBA Coaches Association, Rick Carlisle. Huh. Real insane. Real insane move. What the hell is wrong with the Atlanta Hawks front office? How stupid could they be to fire a great young head coach by, like, Lloyd Pierce and give the keys to the car to Nate McMillan? What the hell were they thinking? I'll tell you what they were thinking. They were thinking of moving way up in the standings. And they have. Fourth in the East. 25 and 11 under McMillan. And that's my rant for today. Really appreciate you checking out the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the Spud Web interview as much as I did. Hey, if you listen via Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate it if you would rate the podcast and leave a comment. And don't forget to check out my video rants as well over on YouTube. Hope you have a fabulous weekend. And thank you so much for listening to If You Don't Like That with Grant Napier.
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.